me ask you a question, Megan. What's that, Jim? For episodes that we don't record together in the escape pod, do you ever wear your pajamas while we Skype together? Oh my god. Funny you should ask. I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing a it it's kind of a um half and half today. I'm wearing regular pants, but I'm wearing a giant fluffy leopard print robe that Megan number two bought me for Christmas. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I never have leopard print anything. It <laughs> is my favorite robe in the entire world. It's like <laughs> it's like fleecy and so warm. Okay. And I feel kind of sassy. Okay. Sassy leopard print. <laughs> that makes sense. I'd feel sassy if I were wearing that also. It's totally sassified. Yeah. What about you? That's Are you good. wearing your jammies? Oh, yeah. Big time. Jammies. I've given up on life, Megan. Pajamas well, go right on once I get home. Do they? Yeah, pretty much. I tend to get distracted, so yeah. that doesn't happen for yeah. me. Except pajamas for me, to be fair, really just, well, in the winter, it's a t-shirt and sweatpants. Right. Whereas in the summer, it's a t-shirt and shorts. Yeah. So it's... I mean, it's better than half the stuff people wear at Walmart, so. Right. I, ha- and, I have that yeah. going for me, at least. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I I get distracted. In fact, I don't know why I'm wearing regular pants right now. They're kind of annoying me. Hmm. I don't know why I even wore pants today at all, I really. I only left the house for, like, 10 minutes. I could have just put them on. Yeah. That's where you can make the case for those, um, like, those warm-up suits. Oh, yeah, like the velour ones. Right, yeah. <laughs> All the rich women wear them, and you're like, yeah. you really just want to be comfortable. I know what you're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a secret there. Or even or even the the uh, the legit, like, tracksuit ones. Yeah. 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 I can understand where people are coming from with that. I can, too, but I can never join them. No, no, me neither. I, I had... Uh, a friend of mine used to always make fun of me because I wear jeans like until I go to bed pretty much. And she would just be like, I don't understand you. Why don't you wear sweatpants? But I just, I don't know. I feel like I used to get so frustrated at the people in college who would just wear their pajamas to class. It would just tick me off so bad. Yeah. It's about being classy. You never know who's going to knock on your door. That's true. But then again, if no one knocks on your door, then... Well, they won't. They never will. I mean, that's like, you know, it's like cause and effect, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, if you don't wear sweatpants, then there's no one on your knocking on your door. Yeah. If you do, then there will be, and then you have to scramble to try to look like you're not wearing underwear. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think this really kind of speaks to the overall ca- casual nature of our profession. Oh yeah. Which is the fact that you and I are keeping it classy. We're like the classy by wearing jeans. That- yeah, there there's a few other people that are there that are classy, but I actually find myself reining myself in when I have to go to work like this is too dressy. Like I can't wear a dress without getting a comment. Even though as a girl I feel like dresses are pretty normal. Mm-hmm. In fact, more comfortable than anything else mm-hmm. because, hello, it's like not wearing pants. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I have to like, I'll be at the store and I'll be like, I need some work clothes because, you know, things are starting to look kind of ratty. And I'm like, okay, I like this, this shirt. Oh, I don't know. It's a little bit too like flowy. It seems too dressy. I can't wear it. Otherwise people will make fun of me. That's just backwards. Mm hmm. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Have did did we have that put a blazer on it conversation on the podcast or in person? You know, I can't I can't remember. I think we might have talked about it on the show. But it yeah. to me in in my opinion it, it always bears mentioning. Oh yeah. Which is you can you can class up anything by wearing a blazer. That's what the uniform is of our people. Yeah. You just put a blazer on it. I mean, that's how I wear my Batman and Superman or Batman and uh, Star Wars T-shirts to teach in. Yeah. You do a lecture and throw on a blazer and all of a sudden you're, you're you getting get compliments yeah. on your on your professional dress from the students. Right. And yeah. then they start they start showing me this is totally true. They 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 not only compliment it, but then they start showing me all of their nerd bling as well. Right. Totally. They'll be like, check out my Batman, my Batman, Batman, my <laughs> Batman, Batman backpack or uh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 For me, I find like a lot of my clothes are too dressy because I like to wear cool things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so I'll be like, it's like kind of sometimes the opposite depends on the outfit. It's either put a blazer on it to make a t-shirt seem dressy or Put a giant grandpa cardigan over it to make a dress seem less dressy. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, I'll take you your just, word for it. You got it? Like, you just get a giant ugly sweater and you put it on over a cute dress. Mm-hmm. Then you look like you're kind of together, but you're also just got out of bed. And you're still classier than the other people that you work with besides Jim. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Like it this a be, lot. It has to be that weird middle middle ground. Yeah. I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you on this. I mean, Word. this could all be solved if we went to school at Hogwarts. It and would we be. just have to wear the sweat the the uniform. Except I don't think that's in the book. Really? Yeah, it's not. In the book, they have robes and and like hats. Okay. But they don't have I don't I'm pretty sure they don't have a uniform. I'm pretty sure that was just made for the um for the uh movie because it's like quaint. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know for sure that they didn't have um they don't have like scarves and like Yeah, I'm like 99% sure they don't have a uniform in the book. Hmm. Now I feel like I am misquoting Harry Potter. This is interesting because I've read the first book and most of the second, and I've listened to the audio books. Um, we should actually back up and, and say this week we're talking about the first two Harry Potter movies. Right. And this is episode 38 of Nerd Novice. You guys have probably figured that out by now. It's uh, it's it's funny because we we feel like we have to cling to these old, old media things of saying what the show is and what the episode number is, and it's like everybody 
had to Everybody have clicked on this. Yeah, everyone in order to listen to a podcast, you have to have consciously sought it out and chose it. You don't happen across it by accident the way you do when you channel surf. So Right. You guys know you guys know what this is. And we're glad you're here. I'm Jim and that's Megan. Yeah, true. And that's uh true. So anyways, back to so I'm right. I just double checked my facts, and it's okay. true they they wear regular clothes underneath their robes. Interesting. Yep. Um, it's Hollywood magic. It's a not it's a good Hogwarts example. Magic. Yeah, it's a good example of how um, seeing seeing the movie shades your experience reading the book. Oh yeah, because like you were about to say that. Yeah, yeah, right. because I. I've I saw the movies first and now like reading the books or listening to the books I just kind of assume like you've got that mental image yeah that you're that you're fitting to the book regardless of what it says or or doesn't say Yeah I'm looking on the cover of the book right now I'm holding it in my hands and uh, Chamber of Secrets and Harry is got a robe on but he has regular clothes hmm. so word that is the truth yeah you've been influenced i have i have been um so you read you saw the movies before you read the books have right. you read how many books have you read i've listened to all of them Oh, okay. Okay. And I've read, read the first two. Well, the first one and most of the second one. Gotcha. I see. I see. I see. So what is your opinion of Harry Potter? Like, do you like it? Do you find it to be for children more? Do you... Are you interested? I'm very interested. And I, I think... I think it's one of these things that has like this ageless appeal to it Uh because there's there's a lot of stuff that's ostensibly written for kids or written for teenagers that doesn't speak to older people but i think that's definitely not the case with harry potter like i can really i don't know if if relate is quite the right word but this story speaks to me i can imagine this place and like and similarly to other tv shows and movies that we've talked about on the on the podcast before this is a place i want to live right like it's so it's so vivid and you know obviously in the book it it's descriptive or actually perhaps less than I thought, but it gets more so in, in the subsequent books, actually. Um, like you get a really strong feel for the detail of the universe. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's seven books for you to learn about it. So that's what's cool because you just, you kind of get, it becomes a place that you recognize. It becomes a familiar place. And that's why I think the appeal of like the Hogwarts amusement park is there. Because who wouldn't want to walk around in that world where you already 
it's already in your head, you know, it's just like walking into your imagination. And I think that's one of the best parts about this series is that it's so just, it engulfs you into a, into the whole entire Harry Potter universe as you, as you go through the story. And the cool thing is, you know, it's cool for a kid to read because they kind of can understand and they kind of grow with it as it gets through the series and whatnot. But it's definitely appealing for adults too, just because it's, it's like a, it's like a whodunit. Every book is a mystery, you know, and the first few are um, like these two that we're talking about today, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. They're definitely just like mystery stories with mm-hmm. magic involved. Yeah. As it gets further, I mean, three and then four especially start to get more involved than just like one basic uh, mystery story. But the first two are are a lot simpler, which is obviously why they're a lot thinner than the other ones. But, um, but it's just enjoyable. I don't know. Yeah, and and the characters are so relatable. Right. I mean, there's nobody extreme that you w- couldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's it's such a completely disbelievable situation, but it's populated by characters and an environment that is wholly inviting and accessible right which is why i think people get a little bit uh fervent about their beliefs of harry potter's goodness Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that makes sense i think some people get like totally wrapped into the story and are like upset that magic isn't even real because it's like it seems (laughs) so it's like obviously the unrealistic part is the magic but the rest of it is totally realistic and you know it's like the story could take place if you subtract the fact that magic exists, the people, the characters, even the bad ones are all believable characters. Um, you know, Voldemort would be some psychopath guy aging who doesn't want to get old and has issues with it. So he finds all these ways to try to avoid it, you know, and whatnot. But I mean, it's it's a I feel like I'm doing that thing where I just kind of repeat the same point over and over again. So, I'm going to stop. <laughs> no, no, it's it I'm picking up what you're putting down here because it's I'll, I'll tell you one of the one of the things that I think it really makes it successful is the the tie-ins to the real world. Right. Right, because you have the this, muggles. This, this whole thing, yeah, with the muggles and and the idea that there is this magic aspect of our world that's hidden from us through magic, but there's like this link between the regular world and the magic world. Right, and it's like it helps you explain the mundane and ordinary things in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Like, this disgusting bathroom stall isn't really a bathroom stall. It's actually a portal to the Ministry of Magic. And all I have to do is stand in the toilet and flush myself, and I'll go to this magical world. Yes. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's exactly one of the things that that kind of helps sell it as this thing that's within reach for us. It, again, even though it's, you know, absurd yet completely enticing at the same time. Right. Um, and I, I think Harry himself is, especially in, in like the first couple of movies where he's still pretty young. He's, he's a character that you instantly want to root for mm-hmm. because he's got a bad environment with the Dursleys and so he's trying to escape his existence and then we get to tag along with that yeah I mean like what kid doesn't want to find out they're secretly a wizard and then escape whatever they hate about you know he's obviously the luckiest kid in the world (laughs) yeah pretty much not really. Pretty much. He turns out to have a pretty intense life. But he's yeah. Luck- lucky. Yeah. And it gets worse over time. Yeah. You know, they both in the in the books and the movie, they really do a, an excellent job of upping the ante in each subsequent storyline. Uh-huh. Yeah. It it happens so slowly, like you never notice, and then all of a sudden in the last book you're like, "This is dark and intense." What? And it, like, then you look back and you're like, "Oh, it's kind of, sort of been getting to that point for a long time now," and I didn't even really notice. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, let's just even talk about the first two books. Like the first book spends a lot of time talking about Muggle life. It's got a lot of time. Like the first, I can't say because I'm not looking at it, but I'm guessing the first hundred pages are all muggle stuff. The first chapter or two is all about the Dursleys. Yeah. And then, you know, then it gets to Harry's crappy life with the Dursleys and then it gets to the zoo and then it gets to he finally gets his letter and like it takes a long time. So, I mean, that book is mostly lighthearted, even though, you know, it's like. Oh, his life is, he's kind of like the runt and, you know, whatever stinks for him. But there's nothing really like beyond a normal child's children's book at that point. And, you know, then he gets to go shopping and finds his little friends. And like the book takes a long time to get to the bad guy. And the bad guy is, you know, seemingly good until kind of the very end and you know so you see that happen for for that book and for chamber of secrets there it's a little bit darker there's like scary parts to it and the big um basilisk and like monsters and whatever but it's still kind of child's it's kind of like a children's book you know scary things but nothing like 
emotionally too much. And then you get to the third one, it gets a little bit worse. The fourth gets even worse. And then all of a sudden you're in the fifth book and characters are dying and it, it slowly gets darker and darker. I think it, I think she does it brilliantly, really. It's very subtle. Yeah, yeah. The The first movie is... They they do such a good job in the first couple of scenes of establishing the tone for the whole right. series. Because you have the, the Dursleys, which are are this over the top caricature, really, of of bad step parent, you know, whatever yeah, sort yeah. of thing you'd want to compare them to and um you see Harry who just kind of wants to live his life and be left alone but escape from you know it, it just seems like Harry's whole deal is like well if I can't get away from these people then I just want them to leave me alone right and he is, he's really mature about it. Yeah. I mean, you see him in the book, in the movie. I mean, um, he's like cooking their breakfast and he's like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he, he does it. He's definitely he's, used to it. Yeah, he's used to it. He's ex- kind of accepted it, but he still wants to escape. Yeah. Yeah. Um. My one of my favorite scenes in all of the movies is the this scene at the zoo. Yeah, and uh, and uh, it's also one of the most quoted ones in my circle of well, mostly family that does this. Um, but like, so the Dursleys take them. Well, first of all, it starts with them in the house, and Dudley comes down to his birthday, and he does our one of the quotes that we always say, where he sees this pile of presents. And he's like, 36, but last year, last year, I had 37. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, and the dad's like, some of them are quite a bit bigger than last year. And he's like, I don't care how big they are. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of my favorite parts. And then um, they go to the zoo and the most quoted thing that we always do, because how many times a day do you say thanks? a million so we always quote it in my family is when he lets the snake out of the um the zoo and the snake's like thanks and then harry goes anytime (laughs) that's just we always do that thanks anytime you and i had that come up as a bit in some text messages a few months ago oh did we yeah (laughs) speaking of wait wait did i put the little snake emoticon on it Please tell me. No, but you had the extra S's or I forget yeah. what it was, but Yeah. <laughs> um speaking of that snake, did you know that's Nagini? Wait, what? Yeah. So you know Nagini, Voldemort's pet snake. Right. That's the one that Harry lets out. Holy smokes. Yeah. I had no idea. Da-da-da. Wow. Yeah, it all starts with him. 
opening the glass. Wow. That's awesome. I know. It's pretty cool, right? <laughs> That's way cool. Yeah, because... Basically, that's around the same time when this is happening at the zoo. That's around the same time that Voldemort takes over Quirrell's body. Like, it's really, like, right around the same. It might be, like, right before because I think Nagini probably has something to do with getting him out. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, is that... Where did you get that from the book? No, I'm pretty sure that J.K. Rowling was, like, Nobody noticed that, and okay. she said it in an interview or something. Okay, because I was going to say, I didn't catch that And No, it was never in said the in the book, but it's supposed to be, like, implied. Right. Um, And, you know, then you think about it, it's like, oh, duh. So. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. There's a lot. I, I want to go back and read, um, because, well, I've kind of reread the first one already, but... Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens that you think is meaningless, but you find out later isn't at all. So, um, you know, that's one of the things really. Hmm. Pretty cool. Very, very cool. So I always I, love when stories, sorry. No, no, no I, go ahead. I always love when stories are like, this all would never have happened if this one tiny thing didn't didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like Voldemort would still be like a spirit trapped somewhere. Yeah. If Harry hadn't opened the glass. It's the it's the butterfly effect. Yeah. Interesting. I just I, I really love how in the movies they they are able to really set up the look of of the magic world yeah you know as soon as you cross platform 9 and 3 quarters and you get on the train and they just they just really make it a, a believable a believable thing and i think i think they I- i'm trying to to think now if if there were really that many scenes because the first book is short so i don't think there's all that much in the first book that didn't make it into the movie i don't know can you think of anything um yeah like in the first book um Hagrid comes to the house on the the lighthouse and hand delivers a letter and then he leaves and Harry has like a few weeks where he has to like hang out at home and wait before they go to Diagon Alley. Hmm. And okay. so there's a lot there's a lot of like Dursley time that doesn't make it into the the movie. Um and a lot of classroom time that doesn't make it into the movie. Like, mm, okay. this is what they happened in class that day. Like, nothing really crazy, but, you know, there was a lot of descriptive stuff that is fun, little details that uh, didn't make it into the movie. I have a splinter in my thumb right now. I'm trying to get it out. It's That's all right. Really Do you need hurting. some tweezers? No, I, I haven't. <laughs> this is gross, but I have a needle right now, and I'm trying to get it. 
Actually, a needle is a good tool for a splinter. It's just not really working. Hmm. Ow. Might have to amputate. Oh, God. You know what splinters <laughs> remind me of? What? The episode of the Magic School Bus where they go inside the body. Mm-hmm. And the, like, whatever, Miss Frizzle or whatever her name is, she, like, shows you how your body gets rid of a splinter on its own. Hmm. Like how your skin pushes it out and stuff. Interesting. I don't think I've seen that. It was probably more in my generation. See if there was if there was We watched him in school. Oh, okay. If Harry Potter were real, then we could just cast a spell. Yeah. Get rid of your splinter. Expecto splintorum. <laughs> That's yeah. good, right? Exactly. <laughs> It really hurts me right mm-hmm. now. So we should talk about um, ah, some of the characters. Yes. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I don't... Maybe I'm thinking too deeply about this because we don't see it until later books but um in the movie i don't think we really get much of a feel for mrs dursley as being the family uh lineage of harry in the wait you said in the movie we don't get that Right. I mean, I I guess they would mention it, but yeah, like she, she has feels... a little monologue. Okay, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say that she she in the book I seem to remember there being a little bit more about her maybe being slightly more sympathetic or maybe having some level of guilt. It's actually more like she is worse because she has hatred towards her sister that is unresolved. Hmm. Okay. And then towards the end, she softens up a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, That's what I'm, yeah. And becomes kind of, she redeems herself um kind of but in the in the um in the movie she has a monologue when they're in the lighthouse and she's like he's like you knew all along that i was a wizard and you never told me and she's like of course we knew like how could you not be my perfect sister blah 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 and then she got herself blown up and we got landed with you and she gets all like pissy about it um she resents her because she had magic and, you know, Petunia never did. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I had thought that there was something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's way more detailed in the book. Like, um, there are flashbacks when you get towards the later... I think in The Half-Blood Prince, there are some flashbacks. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of like Lily as a little girl. Right. Right. But yeah, so I think the deal is 
Petunia is like sincerely mean to to Harry and because she has this like unresolved resentment for her sister and then like Vernon is just mean to him because he can be and you know like he's married to to Petunia so it's like oh she doesn't like him so that means I have permission to be a jerk basically right and also that he can't stand that there's magic because um you know it's like not right or whatever you know yeah, yeah. so he's just afraid of it in general yeah he's just like a scaredy cat who lashes out by being a bully right but but petunia has genuine like negative feelings about Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. yeah it's just interesting because there's there's to a certain extent a little more to the dursleys than than what you see in the in the movies yeah, it kind of sucks they don't really get their their moment at all, really. Mm-hmm. The the one the one thing they do get, I guess, um is Dudley gets a few moments in later movies, but yeah, right. for sure in like the first two movies, they really don't get they don't get anything, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're basically cartoon characters played by yeah, actors. And contrast that though with like the next characters to to talk about like Ron and Hermione right which you you really get a good taste for for what they're all about in in the first couple movies yeah like um so the first time you see Ron is um in platform 9 and 3 quarters his family is like a whole bunch of gingers trying to get in and Harry's like by himself. So he sees them and he tries to have them help him. So that's where he meets Ron and um, they kind of, you know, sit in a little car together in the train and start becoming friends. And then, um, then Hermione comes along and she immediately sets herself up as like the know-it-all and uh, you know, but they, they kind of, don't really talk much on the train. Like she comes in and sits down and she's like, talks to them for a while, but then it kind of switches to the next scene and they really don't bond until the troll troll in the dungeon. (laughs) That's another quote. Yeah. (laughs) Another, another Poletti family. Yeah. Yeah. It's the troll in the dungeon. (laughs) And then he goes, thought you wanted to know. And then he faints. (laughs) We always say, thought you ought to know. It's so good. Yeah. We're a family of quoting. That's all right. I like oh, that. Stabbing myself with a needle. <laughs> this is hurting me. Are you like drawing additional blood or? No, there's no blood. No. There's no blood. There's just... Pain. Annoyance. Only pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway. Um, yeah, so Ron and Hermione. And then, like, you know, I think the cool thing is, like, it's not just, oh, hi, I'm Ron. Hi, we're best friends now. It's like they have a bonding thing. And it even says in the book, it's, um, you know, it's hard not to become best friends when you face a troll together. So that's kind of like their 
moment where they yeah. become a trio. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. What about Hagrid? Oh, Hagrid's the best. I love Hagrid. Yeah. Hagrid is awesome. Yeah. He's... I love how... What? Go ahead. Uh, he, he's the teacher that you want to be friends with. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I love how he like is a mixture of a lot of different things. Like he's real sensitive and gets all teary eyed, but then he also gets like real attached to little animals. And then at the same time he gets really pissed off easily. Um, and he's like real protective, but he's just like a giant teddy bear with a magical umbrella. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a fun character. And he's he's interesting because he's he's got his own backstory. Yeah, which you know? is cool because it ties into the Chamber of Secrets. Right, right. Yeah, he he's actually a hugely important part of. Yep. Of the the story arc for the first for the first movie. Well, he's really important in Chamber of Secrets too. Oh yeah! Oh for um, sure. Because he's, you know, he gets expelled and, like, blamed for um, Myrtle's death and whatever. And then, you know, he gets redeemed. But it's it's like his encounter with Tom Riddle and everything. and Right. So he, some of the backstory is revealed through him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I like Hagrid again. He's he's a character that kind of seems like there's not that much what's a better way of putting this? He could in most movies, the Hagrid character would be extremely superficial. Right. And he's played intentionally in that way. To a certain point, but then there's also this other depth that gets revealed as the story goes along. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you can say that about just so many of the characters in, in Harry Potter with... Neville. Yeah, Neville. And, and I mean, really all of them. But another one is, is Ron. Right. Like, it takes several years for Ron to really start to come into his own. Right. And that's kind of part of the plot, too, which is really cool. Ron's kind of like that scrawny kid who feels like he can never do anything right, and he has a really cool best friend. And it takes a while for him to actually become the cool guy, you know, like because of his actions, not because of what he looks like or who he knows, which is a cool plot line, and it's a really cool uh, role model for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And he gets a girl. And he gets a girl. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, it's I I like Ron and I I love the whole Weasley family. Oh yeah, I love the Weasleys. Yeah. I want to be a Weasley. Yeah, me too. That's kind of how I imagine the Palettis. <laughs> it's not the way we are at all. But you're better dressers than the Weasleys, I think. <laughs> oh um, my god, the Palettis. I don't know. But uh, it's sort of like big, tight knit family. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because he's, 
with with Ron, you get some of the same overtones that you do with Harry of like a kid who's a little bit of an outcast, but then becomes a hero in their own way. And right. it what I don't know is well, she's a very deliberate, thoughtful writer. I'm sure it's all completely intentional. But but Ron is very much that that kid who's you know, doesn't have as nice of clothes as everybody else and gets yeah. teased about it. Speaking of teasing, um what's his name is just a little poop, isn't it? Draco. He? Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Uh, sidebar I got the splinter out thank you everybody for your support (laughs) Um, Draco I was gonna say about Draco um, he is like he is a he is a poop he's a poop but he's also a totally believable poop right Draco reminds me of every bully that ever made fun of me when I was a kid I mean he's like if if your family was Draco's family, you would you would be Draco, and then you would continue to grow as Draco grows into further poopiness. And it's good that in the end he kind of gets rid of some of the poo. But yeah, he's a big poop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Plus, his name is Draco. Really. <laughs> Yeah, how can you possibly be a good guy with the name Draco? I don't know, yeah. It's pretty much a given. His father's name is Lucius, really. Yeah. Come on. Named after the devil, are we? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, the more I I think about it, the more I realize that (laughs) if you take magic out of the picture, this, this is really just a story about kids coming of age like high school yeah totally normal (laughs) i know that's what i was trying to say before when i kept repeating myself if you don't have the magic it's just like a nickelodeon show yeah that's pretty much exactly what it is yeah except it's just harry potter and the chamber of um the linen closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like in the in the in the Nickelodeon version, they go in the bathroom and they find a portal. Really the portal is just the closet, the janitor's closet. <laughs> yeah. It's one of it's one of those panels that the plumbing is all behind. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, Oh, what's the secret thing? Oh, it's, it's just, just where the pipe for the toilet is. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> or they find a diary in there like the diary like tom riddle's diary except it's just a diary of some kid that went there a long time ago who forgot about it right and so then they have to like then they read through the diary and they they meet all these things through the diary but it's really just flashbacks yeah i love it yeah <laughs> that's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> It would be way less appealing that way. Yeah. I think it's cool because 
like every kid needs a good role model, you know, to look up to. And JK Rowling does a really good job of making role models and then making them really appealing. And it's like, you know, it's not just like a Nickelodeon show where it it happens for a few seasons and then it goes away and no one really remembers it. Like this is oh she did it in a way that made it timeless and just a very good coming of age story that kids can read and and find a connection with. And I think that's really cool like I I think it's cool that it's it's something that'll stand for years. I mean it already has. Yeah. The first book came out in like 99 or 98. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I think I think you're really correct about that and it's there are so many like running themes that I think we keep coming back to on on this show and and one of the things that I know that we talked about before with superheroes is they're they're the mythology of our time and I think Harry Potter is no different. I agree, yeah. And I I think these are these are books that and movies that we're going to be talking about 50 years from now, 100 years from now. You know, in the same way yeah. that we still talk about classic literature from you know like Jane Austen or or whatever. Yeah. And you know, I really hope that we get more you know they are going to do the 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 extra movie what is that going to be about again oh um that is fantastic beasts and where to find them that was a textbook that was in the harry potter series that ended up getting published as a separate book for charity or something right. and it's like a it's i think it's like an adventure story like i'm not exactly i didn't even really look into that um but uh, I was going to say this, though. Um, I know we're kind of supposed to be focusing on the movies. I guess we kind of went back and forth a lot. But um, I really don't like when people are cynical of Harry Potter and say that it's a children's book and that, you know, it's like they equate it with something like Twilight. And, you know, I have to say that because I, that's my opinion. But if there are any Twilight fans out there, sorry. But... Twilight is not the type of book where you read it and it translates to an adult. Harry Potter is, and it's also an educational book, and it's a book that has a lot of great vocabulary, like words that a kid wouldn't know that they would have to look up or figure out by context. I mean, I just opened the book to a random page and found a sentence that had words like squelched and morosely and, you know preoccupied things like that are words that are kids don't always see in their books you know and that's why these are great i mean yeah they have little illustrations and like whatever but they're not kids books they're good they're they're educational i know a lot of people who are older than they should be that don't know what those words mean (laughs) so amen (laughs) Anybody who reads Harry Potter is going to gain a little bit of knowledge. Yeah. 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 Here, here's why everything you said, like, times a thousand. 
And to add like one thing to that is just to say that it doesn't – it appeals to everyone because it doesn't dumb stuff down for kids. Right, exactly. It yeah. it lifts kids up to a new – it doesn't dumb it down and it doesn't leave them where they are. Yeah. You know, it, it encourages them. I mean, I just opened it up again and I saw the word gluttonous. I mean, these are – it's like you know good words for a young kid to read yeah yeah that's not preachy no it's it's a it's an excellent point because it reminds me of comic books from the 1960s um especially marvel with like spider-man and fantastic four and in fact there there was a particular marvel comic that the the tagline was um the the comic magazine that respects your intelligence. Right. And the whole the whole idea that that Stan Lee had and and everybody else working for Marvel was we're writing we're going to make stories that yes they're for kids but what ended up happening was like Stuff that had previously been for, like, 10, 12-year-olds was getting read by kids in college. Uh-huh. And and that whole idea just really caught storm, you know, caught fire. Whereas with with other comics of that same area, era and certainly uh, prior to that... Stuff was really just kind of kind of watered down a little bit, maybe, and mm-hmm. just silly. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. didn't really have Goofy. much depth to it. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what what she did. Yeah. With uh with these movies. Yeah, I think it's terrific. Yeah. I want to read them out loud to my kids one day when I have kids. I'll tell you what we um, reading these with with Alex is amazing. Yeah, does he pay attention? Oh yeah, and yeah. just He's so super everybody knows, how old is he? He's like six, right? Yeah, yeah. So a six year old mm-hmm. is totally engulfed in this book. Mm-hmm. Does he ask you questions like, "What does that mean?" He um. Yeah, he will ask what some of the words mean if he doesn't understand them based on the context. But one of the things that that's interesting to me is and he does this with like other things that he's interested in is is he'll ask additional questions to like he wants you to elaborate on it. Like reading review questions where like yeah, you've done, kinda, like, the chapter exactly. and he asks you about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the the one that actually happened most recently with with him along those same lines is like with Star Trek stuff. Like he's super interested in Star Trek ships. Uh-huh. Cuz he just thinks the ships are cool. Yeah. And so Duh. um he'll start asking like all of these like follow-up questions. Like science-related stuff. Wow. Like he's laying laying questions on me like how does a warp drive work? 
<laughs> and could that be real? And wow, yeah, that's super cool. So I'm like trying to explain Einstein's to, theory of relativity yeah. <laughs> to him when I don't even understand it myself, and it's you know I, you have to educate yourself first before you talk to him. Pretty much, yeah. Brush but, up but on he, your science skills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he did a lot of the similar sort of thing. It's been a little while since uh, since we read the first two books. Um, but he, but he engaged in it in, in kind of a similar fashion mm-hmm. with those. So I think I think you pretty much nailed it. Yeah. With why it's why it's so universally appealing, and and we get the the beginning of this much larger hero's journey. I mean, um, it's cool because it's written as a book. It's not written as a hope to be a movie one day script, you know? Right. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. The first movie really stands on its own quite well, which I think is, is a, a real testament to, to how tight, how tight it is. The uh, the second book, I think, the uh, second movie, rather, I think it stands on its own, too. Um, but the fact that you've got the experiences from the first film really helped to enhance it. Yeah. But yeah, it's good good stuff and um i think kenneth branagh is great yeah in chamber I, of secrets chamber of secrets yeah i definitely agree um wait he didn't do that the director kenneth branagh no the well, director he, he starred in it oh who's Kenneth? i don't even know who kenneth He's, branagh is what's his name um dark arts professor coral no 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 you're thinking of uh, Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets. The the, the teacher who wrote all the books, he's super vain. Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's totally great. Yeah. You know, there were rumors years and years ago that he was going to be Obi-Wan in the prequels. Oh, he would have been good at that. Yeah, he would have. But they went. they decided to, to go younger. With mm. Obi-Wan, and so they gave it to Ewan McGregor. And he kind of looks similar to him. They have, they look kind of alike. Yeah. Yep. But anyways, yeah, he, he's a standout. Yeah, he's he's terrific. Actually, um, I don't know if you knew this, but J.K. Rowling always said that the only person she ever based, the only character she ever based on a real person was Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, really? Yeah, and she won't say who it was, but she said the person that he's based off of is ex- exactly the same as Gilroy Lockhart. Interesting. <laughs> so it was somebody she knew from, like, work or school. Wow. Or Zing. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you that person... And she said that person is probably bragging to everybody that Dumbledore is based off of him or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's Great. funny. But, you know, just speaking of the casting, like, he he stuck out at me... Uh, because he's so good in that role. I know. But I think I think the the child actors really deserve huge kudos. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe's a little annoying, but 
But he's yeah. supposed to be. I mean, he's 10. Yeah. You know? But I think oh overall... He got more annoying as he got older. Well, he got more... He got... He got more emo. But I think that's the character getting a little too emo. Yeah, the character kind of gets emo, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rupert Grin is awesome, and so is Emma Watson, so... Yeah. Emma Watson totally nails it. Yeah. She's she's good with the crazy hair and the know-it-all behaviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Well, good stuff. So I think we need to come back next week and keep talking about these. Yeah, I'm excited. This is fun. So do we want to hit the next three for next time? Um, so that would be Prisoner of Azkaban, Gobble of Fire, and um, Order of Phoenix. Yeah. Um, or do we do we want to do two of them or two. three? Yeah. Okay, let's that's hit good. Just, let's hit three and four. Okay, that'll be perfect because um, because then Goblet of Fire is my favorite one. Oh, good. So we'll do those two, and then we'll do five and six, and then we'll do both sevens. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, that'll be perfect then. Awesome. So do you want to tell the nice people how they can get in touch with us? Nice people, you can totes get in touch with us. You can email us at nerdnovice at gmail.com. We don't really use it very often, but you should probably do it. Um, Maybe if you email us, we'll read it out loud and talk about it. So whatever, you can ask us questions. It's cool. Um, You can also tweet us at nerdnovice. You can also tweet me at Megan Paletti or Jim at jmetzendorf. Um, And yeah, you can go on our website, nerdnovice.com, too, if you want, if you're not already there right now. Yeah. It's good stuff. We've had some good interaction on, on Twitter. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm liking it. Um, a, a few people that I know from, uh, like, one of the – Dan, who sometimes tweets at us, he's from uh, when I was in middle school. So, hi, Dan. You're awesome. And uh, – yeah, John G also emails us sometimes. He's a uh, local artist here in Cleveland. He draws comics. I don't know if you knew that. Oh yeah, yeah, I did know that. Um, so hi to you too. Thanks for tweeting us. Yeah. So sounds yeah. good. So we'll be back with more with more Harry, and I want to talk Harry about Potter. next week. I want to make sure that we talk about how they always have like the holiday break. In the movies. Oh, and how yeah. Christmas, Christmas time is my favorite time of year in the Harry Potter Oh, yeah. That's universe. another thing. We always say every Christmas morning as we get up and we go, I've got presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. With that, later. 